Welcome to University, a podcast for young people navigating life's big transitions. I'm Anne-Marie Ciresso, your host. On University, you'll hear stories from college students. You'll get tips from experts. And occasionally, you'll hear from a parent's perspective on how to manage this time of change in your life consciously. Find yourself. Find your purpose. Find your people and pursue you fearlessly. Last week, we got to know Nick Shea, a Princeton sophomore with a wildly popular YouTube channel with over 50,000 subscribers, created in large part because Nick's willingness to be honest and vulnerable. We talk with Nick about balance and how he manages his time and his energy between his passions and what he knows to be practical in his life. This week, we talk about acceptance and rejection. It's March. Letters and notices from your college admissions are coming soon. Nick was there just a short time ago and dealt with rejection himself. He tells us how it felt to be rejected from his dream school and about a visit to another college that didn't quite sit well with him and why he chose to accept anyway. Notice how he listened to his inner voice on that visit and what he did to take leadership of his own life. Enjoy part two of this two-part interview with Nick Shea. You know, Ivy Day is coming up. I think it's March 28th. And for me, there's a lot on the line because my younger brother's actually applying too. So he's a senior right now. Um, so, you know, there's a lot riding on this day for, for all of us, I guess. But, you know, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the biggest days of my life. Just obviously like the culmination of, to think like to put yourself in the shoes of like a high school senior where the culmination of your entire past four years or genuinely like the past your entire life has been leading up to this one moment or this mm-hmm. one decision right that will mm-hmm. ultimately decide the next four years if not the entirety of your career mm-hmm. um, and to put a, and as what like a 17 18 year old that's a lot of pressure to be had when you're applying to such prestigious schools like I applied to I mean Harvard Columbia Princeton Yale UPenn Stanford like I, I did I did all of them and I put in the work for the applications and you know to cross your fingers and, and pray to God that like hopefully something will work out that like I will get accepted to at least one of these schools and you know I, I for anyone who hasn't like heard about the story what happened was I it was Ivy Day and I you know I, I knew the decisions were coming out that day I just didn't know what time and then I see on a form that they're coming out at like 4 30s so I go home right after school with my best friends and like I open up my laptop, I flip a coin, deciding which schools to pick first. And I open them, and I think the first one was probably, like, Columbia. It might have been, wait- oh, yeah, Columbia was waitlisted. UPenn, like, rejection. Yale, rejection. Um, it-, it went down the line, and then when I waited to the last one, which is Stanford, because it was my dream school, I saw, you know, waitlisted. And I, I didn't know what to say. I was livid. I was pissed. I was just screaming. I was like, fuck. Like, I can't believe I literally, like, to, to not, statistically speaking, like, out of like what like 10 schools that I applied to to not even get into one of them was genuinely like devastating for me and I felt broken I felt like why was I not good enough right mm-hmm. thoughts running through my head was like why why didn't I study harder for that calculus test if, if it was a 96 to 97 would that have made a difference or like why didn't I run for student body president or like mm-hmm. all the doubting voices like all I could the doubt, have done yeah, something I, more I, I should I should have I could have I, I should have done this or that and you know Fast forward a few months, I was debating between Northwestern and Vanderbilt, and then I'm in my government class when I get a call from Princeton, New Jersey, and, like, granted, I had known that, like, waitlist was, like, coming, a few people were, like, hearing back about waitlist, so, you know, I step out in the hall, and I take the call, and she says, 
Um, hi, this is Nicholas Shea. I'm like, yes, ma'am. Who is this? She's like, I'm calling from Princeton. And I just want to say congratulations. You've been admitted off the wait list. And like, I was just like, holy shit. Like, wow. You know, for the past like month, month and a half, I was thinking that I was going to be in Chicago and Northwestern. And all of a sudden to think that you're going to the number one school in the country is a huge shift in everything that like I had already bought the school gear. Like I had found roommates, like my best friends was going there. And like, so it was a big switch to be had, but obviously like I'm very grateful to looking back it was the right decision to make and I'm very grateful and I wouldn't have done anything different. But, you know, I, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I, you know, I don't know. I'm a religious guy. So maybe it was God telling me that like, okay, this is a, right now this isn't where you need to be. And, you know, maybe, maybe like the, the universe felt that like I wasn't, uh, Northwestern wasn't settling right for me and that like, I, I always felt like something wasn't clicking when I stepped on the campus, but like, you did feel that at Northwestern? I, I, no, I, I didn't. Like something was something in my heart was like, no, this this doesn't feel right. It doesn't really feel like a college campus to me. And like, you know, but when I got to Princeton, all my doubts were solved. And like, I'm so grateful to be here. But I guess you know, this is a once like I I am such a an outlier. I guess such a ex, ex anomaly really in in the grand scheme of college acceptances because in order to be off the wait list, it is like maybe a hundred kids in in all the application process. So yeah. You know, my, my story is very different and, and I wish I could say that would happen to everyone that everyone gets off their wait list at, at one of the top schools but the reality of the situation is that is that it's not the case and that you undoubtedly you are going to get rejected um no one well, is but like so you talked a little bit about the rejection because so many kids are going to be getting students are going to be getting rejected this this month right and you talk about these stories like I could have, should have, would have, right? But you also talk about like sort of divine intervention for lack of a better word. And, you know, you do what you do, but it ends up that the sort of the universe sort of aligns and and you end up where you end up. You, end up. you have a certain amount of control, but, you know, ultimately you end up where you end up. And, I, you know, that's very much a mentality that I, I um, endorse because like I said, everything happens for a reason and, and you will end up where you need to end up regardless of whatever you thought beforehand. And also the biggest thing is that like kids don't realize that like college is what you put into it. You get out of it what you put into it, right? And if you go into school, like taking advantage of all the opportunities that they have to offer and really like utilizing it to the best of your effort rather than just kind of being upset the whole time. Like, fuck, why didn't I get into Harvard? Why am I at this like lower level school or whatever? Like you're really just put, you're really just like, um, harming like putting putting harm to yourself like you're not getting the most out of what you need to and like to take advantage of of the opportunities granted at your school is those are characteristics of like the most successful people and even if you like i said you didn't get into your dream school you can still do what you want to do and there's still great professors and still great alumni networking um and and don't think that like just because you didn't get into an ivy league school that your life is ruined because in all honesty like as great as it is to be here like there's not that huge difference um if, yeah. yeah well one of the things you know we talk to, to all kinds of students going to all kinds of school here and we don't believe that ivy league is better than community school we believe um here in university that it's the qualities that you develop in yourself wherever you are that matter that make up who you become in the world and um while you um you focused on ivy leagues and that was important to you that's not necessarily what's right for everyone. And here, of course, the, of course, you know, we like to say like, what's right for you? You know, you don't have to go to an Ivy league school to be successful in life. Of course. No. Yeah. 
and there's nothing wrong with it if that's what you know and there's such great opportunities anywhere you go so we um you know i like i like to put um a little attention on the fact that no matter where you go or it's all about what you put into it you create the experience you want i agree so what one piece of advice would you give to students who are now in that application process and waiting for their answers um because what I, one of the things I, I heard you say is there was something, like you accepted at Northwestern, but there was something that you, like in your heart, you knew it wasn't right. And I interviewed a student recently who had a similar experience and she was applying to her dream school and she got accepted. And she, when she went on campus, she's like, something wasn't right. And then she ended up flipping and going to a new school. And she had been dreaming about this for years. And um, we talk a lot about in this podcast on listening to your body's intelligence and listening to yourself, even when the voices are telling you something else. Like if the logic is saying this is right, but your body is saying no, really listen to your body. And so you have that experience. So tell us a little bit more about like, well, how did you end up with choosing Northwestern if it didn't feel right for you? And then look at how friendly the universe is that it gave you a different opportunity. I think it's something my English teacher in high school told me is that like, what, once you step on a college campus, you'll know if it's the right fit. And mm -hmm. like when I stepped when I stepped on Northwestern, I was like, I, I was like thinking back to what he said. I was like, this like, am I, do I need to be hit by something? Like something's not clicking right now. And so, um, I I don't know. I did the whole thing. I did the tour. I walked around, talked to people. Um, and not that like anything's wrong with Northwestern. It's just that like maybe like Evanston wasn't you know the great fit for me or like mm -hmm. the architecture wasn't yeah. And, like, it wasn't like, right for you. There's nothing wrong yeah, with it. it wasn't yeah, of right. course, of course, it just, it just wasn't like being away from like kind of far from Chicago like someone who's a photographer who wanted to be near the city like you know there, there are a couple of variables that just didn't click there are also like good variables like my best friend from school was going there I was going to be in the journalism school you know it was um, you know great financial aid everything like that um, but still something didn't feel right and uh, this might be kind of dumb to say but like maybe it's because I had set the expectation for myself to get into the Ivy League that whole time mm -hmm. that like telling myself that like oh like i'm like a shoe in almost right like i have all these grades i like i did everything i needed to do like i, sh I should have gotten into the ivy league and maybe there was like this little begrudging aspect in my heart that like me you know wasn't so attracted to northwestern but i mean like you said the universe works itself out in in mysterious ways and you know for, for everyone applying like like we've been saying is that like you got to do what your heart tells you to do and you got to follow your 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 body and 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 listen. Listen, yeah. And I think, um, I don't know what your uh, family life is like, um, but I think that one of the things we um, teach students a lot here um, is uh, mindfulness and meditation as, a, as an opportunity to get still and quiet and, and really get in touch with your own inner voice. And one of the things that um, a lot of students talk about is the pressure from outside, right? So parents are a big pressure. Um, but not only parents, I remember when my son was going through the application process and he went to the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools here downtown oh, wow. Chicago, uh, all my kids do. Um, there's a lot of pressure around Ivy Leagues, getting into Ivy Leagues, getting into the right school. So you're getting it from your parents, you're getting it from culture, you're getting it from friends. Um, so what did you do to get quiet and still and listen to yourself. Why was Ivy League so important to you? Those are two questions. You know, number one, I guess, 
how do I listen to myself? And it is easy to get distracted by social media or your friends or your family or what everyone else else is telling you, but give me a second. Take your time. You know, to be honest, I guess I, I, I don't, I don't know the answer, right? Like I, in high school, I was never one to really do a lot of meditation and it, that, you know, go, so this is something we can speak on later, but I am trying to get more into meditation just because I think it is very important to, to find harmony and, and peace within, within yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is something we can talk about later. But your second question of like, why the Ivy League? And I guess it's just because I've always set high bars for myself. And to be honest, it, it is a stereotype that like Asian parents will like want their kids to go to these schools but my mom was never one to really like push me for it you know I've always been very self-driven and self-motivated that like this was something I just wanted for myself and obviously like making my parents proud was a huge plus but like it, it was something to prove to myself and I guess to my peers almost that like I was good enough and that I mm. that, that I am the best and you know maybe that's kind of a dumb mentality to have but it's kind of a winner's mentality to have and it is kind of a douchey thing but like I just always wanted to be the best right and obviously going to the Ivy being, you know, to be honest, I was one of the only ones from my school to go into the Ivy League, and our valedictorian went to Stanford, but um, to just kind of prove to everyone, I guess, that, like, I made it, mm, <laughs> which, so- which is obviously, which is very vain and, like, very kind of, like, superficial, but, you know, I'm, I'm a high school kid, and, like, at, at that time, it, it, that's, I guess, that's, like, what mattered to me. It's, like, other people's approval is, is what I was, is what I was reaching for, but, you know, looking back retrospectively, like, if I hadn't really thought about all that, you know, I, I would still want to go to the Ivy League school just because I think that like it's still a great opportunity but yeah I really appreciate you admitting that I don't think um most students are a even aware of that so back to the self-awareness piece that you're talking about um and b would be willing to admit it yeah I'm yeah I mean like everyone yeah it is who I am and like I'm not shameful or regretful or anything just because like we're so young yeah like we're so young our mentalities are very you know, they change over time. And I would say I've matured over the years. And I, I, I wouldn't be able to say that I've matured if I wasn't able to look back on that and admit that like what I was doing was, you know, either vain or stupid or selfish. Oh, and we can, we can even not even label it or judge it as any of those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's we, just like what I wanted. It's just what I wanted at the time. At the time, that's what you wanted. And I think what's interesting about it is it's less about Ivy League and the name and the label. And it's more about you were driven, like you had a goal. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm learning about you as I'm talking to you is when you have a goal, um, you have a lot of resilience, you reach your goals, like you're determined. And these are the qualities. Again, we're talking about, for me, labels don't matter. So it's who you are underneath the labels that matter. So how do you show up in relationship to the experience you're having, right? So it's the context. And so you're driven, you're passionate, you're motivated, you're disciplined, you're hardworking. These are the qualities that make up great leaders. And it really doesn't matter if you go to like, you know, XYZ community school, if you have those qualities or you go to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, if you have those qualities, you're going to be successful. And, and I see that you're demonstrating that because when you set yourself a goal, you wanted to do this thing, you got yourself there. And I think I hear you say, you talk about it as acceptance from others that you're the best. But there's a big part of us um, that we're really always ultimately trying to prove it to ourselves. Yeah, right. Like to prove to yourself that like I could do it and that like all the, all the things that I've worked for and like put in hours and like was finally paying off and just self-validation like we talked about earlier. Yeah, that, you know, that I can achieve any goal I set. And yeah, like, 
going like for me to reach a hundred thousand subscribers in like three months like obviously it's an insane goal but like if i don't have anything to work towards then like why am i working in the first place well that's a question i really i'm gonna invite you to explore um after we're done with our with our talk today is like what is it that i really want from my youtube channel like what is it if i could at the end of the day say i did this with my YouTube channel, what would that be? And maybe you can report back with us, or maybe you have the answer now, but it's, a, it's an interesting question to explore because I think what happens, particularly students in college and, and high school and colleges, they're always working towards a goal, but they don't always actually know what's behind that goal, what's really driving them. Like with a why. What's your why? What's I, your I, why? I don't know. I, I think it's an important thing, and I, uh, you know, as, as a parent, I'm really focused on asking my kids to explore their why because I don't think you can be successful without it. I don't think you can be authentically successful without it. I think lots of people, as a life and leadership coach, I've worked with lots and lots of adults, middle-aged people who crash and they crash because they don't have a why. And so I shifted my work towards working with young adults because I, I figure, well, if you could- Get really them before they crash. Get them before you crash. Like get to know your why. I think you, you guys are so powerful and you can make such great impact in the world. I mean, you have all the gifts and all the opportunities ahead of you. I would love to get you before the crash. And um, hopefully yes, there won't be a crash. There's not going to be a crash. Not just you. I'm just saying the, uh, the, the global you. Okay. Um, so if we can really discover our why, and I think it's hard because as students and young people, the goal is getting you guys into college, getting you into college, get, so you're successful, so you're successful. But nobody stops and really identifies like, well, what does successful mean to me? So I'm gonna ask you that question. How do you define success? You know, I, I could easily say that success is in terms of the vanity metrics of like reaching X number of subscribers or this many followers or how many likes I get, but all, that's not success at all. Like that's just dumb metrics that like society uses to whether to judge whether or not like people's lives are good or not or whatever. Mm -hmm. but, but in reality, like success is, well, is doing what makes you happy and doing what makes you happy and like finding fulfillment out of it mm -hmm. and not and you know to be successful and to do something you're passionate about and like if you know a good metaphor is that like if you could do something every single day without getting paid and you would still do it like that's what you're passionate about and if you love that then then that's when you're successful and you know it's not about making a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars a year it's about doing something you're passionate about and that you love and that you can't go a day without thinking about and, and being able to, you know, make a living off of it and being able to, you know, share your, your values and, and your insights with, with everyone else around you. And, you know, having this platform of YouTube is a great way for me to get started of, you know, finding my own worth, I guess, and like finding what value I can bring to the community and, and how to share that because, you know, regard in, in a big dilemma I'm finding is that like, since I am so technically so young in the grand scheme of things. And like, I, I mean, I, granted, I have, a, I have a vast, you know, majority of experiences under my belt compared to most of my peers, but does that give me credibility and authority to really dictate, you know, like, this is what I believe, you know, maybe you can believe it too, or like to, to stand on this pedestal of like a, of a YouTube influencer and like preach what I, what I believe is right. And like, who knows if it's right? Like no one does. And like, maybe, you know, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, if I, you know, not, not to be so naive and think that like everything I'm saying is right, but like, you know, find like, once again, finding that balance. Mm -hmm. Well, 
we here at university believe that you do know what's right and only you know what's right for you and there's no one out there that could know what's right for you other than you. yeah I agree. And, and if we continue getting still getting quiet and learning to listen to that still small voice inside us that never sends us on the wrong path that we will always be successful and i really appreciate your um definition of success i kind of agree with it myself thank you thank you what is your definition of success it's the same if you get to do what you would do every day without getting paid um, for me success also um has to do with impact what kind of impact i agree yeah uh, i love that part out yeah yeah for me it's impact it, it, it and i don't think my definition of success is everyone's definition of success no, I, I don't think everyone's definition of success needs to be the same either yeah so I want you to share with our listeners um, one great leader that inspires you and why. Um, give me a second. You know, I think it, it's easy for people to, you know, when they get asked that question to like list off famous people, Steve Jobs or, you know, Elon Musk. But to be honest, and this is it's probably very unconventional, but it's my little brother. Mm. Um, his, his name is Justin. He's a senior in high school, like I mentioned, but. You know, for me, a leader is someone who acts by doing, right? A leader is someone who leads by their actions and not their words and is someone that is willing to do the hard thing and, and make the hard decisions when the time comes to it. And for me, my brother has always been the, that example and that role model. Um, and, it is, you know, it might be different just because he's my little brother, but, you know, I, I've always seen him doing the right thing, doing what needs to be done and being that kind, charismatic uh, person. And, you know, he's a natural born leader. He's a student body president. He's um, a clarinet squad leader too. And so, you know, you know, part of it may, may have been, you know, from him seeing me as, as some kind of leader, but you know, I, I have a lot of respect for him and it's really cool to see him grow as a, as a man. And, you know, he applied to Princeton. So fingers crossed that he gets in, you know, I think it'd be really cool for, for the both of us to be here as well. Oh, that would be so much fun. I love that. I love that he's um, the leader you admire. I think that's fantastic. I do think you're right. It's really easy to say, you know, Barack Obama or yeah. Nelson Mandela, but, um, and those are amazing, inspiring leaders. Of course, of course. <laughs> but um, I really like when we look at the people who are really touching our lives every day and who's inspiring us and bringing out the best in us. And I think when, for me, when I think about leaders, I think about the people who inspire me to be the best version of myself. And there's sure. lots of people I look to for that. All right, one last question, and then we're gonna wind up. Um, what qualities, do you think are the most important qualities that make up great leaders? There's a, there's a few. Um, and let me, I can go into detail for you. No, number one is as, as I grow and mature, I think that like self-awareness is, is pretty key. Um, mm -hmm. Not just to be a great leader, but to be a successful person in general, because like I mentioned is if you don't know who you are as a person, and if you don't understand what makes you tick and what environments you work best in, or if you're collaborative or if you're introverted or extrovert, if you don't know that much about yourself, and you're not going to be able to do anything with your life because you're constantly going to be influenced by other people's decision. And, and to be self-aware is to have a firm foundation and belief in your own abilities and your own self. And that like, you can do what you want. You can, you have to follow your heart. And as I get older, the more self-aware I'm becoming, the more fearless I'm becoming, right? I, I'm caring less about what people think because I know who I am. I know that like, like I've said before, is that like, I know what I'm doing is working. So I just need to shut everyone else out and just keep, grinding and keep doing what I keep working on what I've been doing. Um, stay focused. Stay focused. Right. And then number two is, um, you know, pa passion is, is obviously very important. It's very important for a leader to show passion and 
to be committed and to have that energy to lead a group of people. Um, but also like dedication and, and reliability, right? Le- like followers need to know that like they can trust on you. They can count on you to be there when the time is come and to make the hard decision for, for everyone and, and to be selfless really to, to put others in front of yourself. And, you know, a leader is not the person who is at the front of the group, like telling everyone else what to do. A leader is one of the people, right? Like you have to, a leader is like for the people, by the people. Part of the team. Part of the team. Like uh, you can't be a CEO if you're not willing to do the grunt work, and you you know you can't be like telling other people to do all these things when you yourself haven't been putting in the work that is necessary. And you know, great leaders lead by doing, which like I said before, and like you know, your your people will follow your your actions, right? Not your intentions. Mm, yes, right. so uh, true. And, and the biggest thing, like you hear all the time, you gotta lead by example. You gotta, you know. If you you gotta if you can if you talk the talk but you gotta walk the walk you know mm-hmm. you, gotta, you have to actually follow through with what you're saying and I, I hate when people like talk all this crap about like oh I want to do this I want to do that I'm like okay well show me like actually do it and, you know for me like that's something I, I a big thing I always try and to to not let to, to to do is to like if I say I'm gonna do something then do it right like don't half-ass anything don't um, commit to something that you're not willing to to really commit to um, other things are um, empathy you definitely have you have to know how the group is feeling you have to know the group dynamics how people are working together um, and and you know empathy is very important for anything like life skills in general like if you have to know how your actions are impacting others and how you're able to um, affect the mood or an environment or in the, in the workplace or in school or whatever um, and dedication is is another one just like being fully committed I, I hate when people half-ass stuff like if you're gonna start something then then see all the way through like don't do things and then realize that it's not gonna work and then bail you know mm-hmm. stay in integrity yeah. with your agreements integrity yeah integrity is important um yeah well said trustworthiness dependability so, loyalty yeah so many qualities well yeah which is why it's hard to be a good leader <laughs> Well, I have complete faith in you because you're already an amazing leader, leader of your own life first and foremost, and um, amazing influencer of others. So thank you. Thank you. Nick is a great example of a leader. He's no different than you or me. While Nick is just as concerned about being liked and accepted as the rest of us, he's still willing to take risks, share openly and honestly and courageously about his journey and the challenges he faces as he navigates his college experience and his life. You know, great leaders are not immune to criticism and rejection. And rejection is hard. But we cannot let the doubts and fears get in the way of our ambition and our dreams. Like Nick says, great leaders lead by doing. You must be able to put in the work to get the job done and never give up. After listening to Nick, I think the one word or two words that come to mind is persistence and determination, along with courage, vulnerability, honesty. These are the qualities I think great leaders are made of. You know, this is the first episode we're publishing after the college admission scandal broke. And the one thing I wanna say is that who you are is far more important than your GPA, your resume, or your college label. Remember that wherever you go is about who you are and what you do that truly matters. 
Thanks for listening to University. If you liked what you heard, I'd be absolutely thrilled for you to share with a friend and equally grateful for you to pop over and rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. You can find more information and stay in touch over at university.u on Instagram or at university on Facebook. I'll look forward to seeing you there. If you'd like support navigating the stress and chaos and you're ready to create a more fulfilling college experience, I offer live weekly group coaching calls every Thursday, 4 to 5 Central Time. It's a place to gather together, to be seen and heard, to reduce your stress and learn how to be in control of your life and create a life you love. Give the first week a try for free. Check it out. For more information, email me at annemarie.university at gmail.com or click the link in the show notes below.